0: The Bucs got all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits. At the big ball, East Tennessee State Buccaneers. They're dancing. Boys Under Muscarella, Perea lays it up. One point four. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucs win. Nukka spotting for three. The place is gonna erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow. He's gonna make Sports Center with an incredible. Jarvis Jones, the game right. winner, got it. Ball game! East Tennessee State's going to leave on another... They got game. him! If he catches it, it's over! Ball game! Touchdown, one Stinson! 25 yards! J.J. German for the win! He got it! J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs! And the
1: sidekick... shout off to my friend! What's your name, man? I told you... It about- doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff, and you still have no talent.
0: It's Sandoz and the Sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Good Monday, Jay Sandoz, Mike Gallagher, another edition of Sandoz and the Sidekick. Another busy week as ETSU men's and women's basketball starting to wrap up, and of course the spring season starting to take shape as well. But today we'll be talking a lot of hoops from the weekend. ETSU men's basketball, big win over Mercer. ETSU women's basketball, just a tough road trip, two tough losses in overtime to Wofford and Furman. We'll talk about the Furman game. Uh us see. Bold prediction recap, in which we were oh so close, although ah. I don't think it counts, does it?
2: Well, I mean, if you and me both agree, I think you're. Yeah, there's no the Jacob here. number one, I'm yeah. panelist number two at this point, so I, we could maybe even negotiate. Yeah, two person votes. Yep.
0: Anyway, what's the third segment we've got? Uh,
2: Pros versus Jazz.
0: Oh, yeah. I still don't know why we do that. Featuring
2: uh, Vince Scully. Yeah, you're, you're getting compared to uh, what some people believe, and this will be part of the conversation, is one of the greatest of all time. But we'll settle that on there ourselves. Okay. All right,
0: we'll do that on the uh, third segment. Recapping issue men's basketball, uh, and then we'll do women's basketball in the next segment. But uh, 88-69 win, and I thought the most impressive thing, Mike, about that was just really how the wealth was spread all the way around from points to assists to even the rebounding totals were, were – jumbled around. There really wasn't one or two dominant guys. There were six, seven guys with eight or more points and certainly makes it very difficult to defend when you got that many guys scoring.
2: Yeah, and you didn't figure that Mercer was going to present a huge challenge, Bob Hoffman and company. Generally, just not a team, it seems like, that matches up very well with ETSU, and I, I don't think that Mercer has beaten ETSU still in the Steve Forbes era, if memory serves, and that continued with Davian Williamson having 16, Jeremy Rodriguez 14, Lucas Cousin 12, Trey Boyd, 10, <clears throat> you, you said it, and I, I mean, I think one of the other most impressive things, while you have the balance scoring, also that 11 assist number for Trey Boyd. I mean, Steve Forbes said post game. <laughs> I'm not sure I ever would have bet that Trey Boyd would have 11 assists in a game, and for ETSU, it's their first uh, player that's reached 11 assists, I believe, since, or double-digit assists, in like five years. Um, and to have it be Trey Boyd, someone that's definitely more known for shooting from deep and being able to fill it up, you know, scoring himself rather than distributing to others, I thought was very impressive, and just generally the job that ETSU did sharing the basketball, 21 assists on 28 field goals, certainly Steve Forbes very happy about that post game.
1: Our team's doing an unbelievable job of sharing the ball, I have been all year, I think we're like top 15 in the country in assists, and uh, when we share it like that, we're pretty good I thought Davey and putting him, bringing him off the bench today gave us a lot of offense off the bench. I thought that helped him. It helped our team. I like I liked that a lot.
2: I believe, I went back and looked it up, 21st, I think, is the total number for ETSU in assists. Assists per game, they're a bit lower, but in terms of total assists on the year number 21 in the country, and they definitely were working the ball around the perimeter, going inside, using the outside game as well. Every facet offensively really seemed like it was working.
0: Yeah, I mean, we sit there and you look at it, and just look at the Trey Boy number. So he had basically – for a season total now, he's got 53, so he mm-hmm. had one-fifth of his total coming <laughs> the, the last game, just averaging 1.5 assists, but it started early, I think, with his decision-making to uh, not settle for a quick three in the corner, use a shot fake, and for whatever re- uh, reason, Mercer was kind of flying all over the place, so a shot fake, he would dribble, guys would collapse, he would he would make an easy dish, you know, easy layup, so a couple times there was some good contested shots that, that went in, and... I think Trey said something after the game about it, that a couple of assists, you know, guys just hit tough shots. They were able to help them with that assist total as well. But, um, you know, you look around, and I bet there's not many teams with, you know, their top six guys with 40 or more assists, and that includes Milad Narmis over that. Roder- I mean, uh, Jerome Rodriguez has 58. That's third on the team. I mean, you start looking at some of the post-player assists and everything that's gone, and you expect the guards, the the Tisdales, Williamsons, even Patrick Good numbers, I guess, uh, it was nice to see that the Trey Boyd was able to get that going. But eight guys with eight or more points, to me, it's just it's incredible. They're, that does prove they're, they're sharing the ball. And again, it goes the unselfishness of, for whatever reason, this team doesn't get point envy. And I think everybody knows a team or can even point to prior ETSU teams It seemed like that, you know, if a guy doesn't have his or, or is not be able to get They start forcing things, taking bad shots, trying to make sure – but they keep that point scoring average up. And for whatever reason, these guys seem to be totally content with uh, moving the ball around and just seeing whose day it's going to be. And then I think they do a good job of recognizing who's having a good day and in getting them the basketball. My key
2: to the game was second chance points. That was really the only quote unquote hustle board stat where ETSU didn't have a huge advantage. Leave it to me to jinx that. But 40 to 21 in bench points, 44 to 24 in paint points, 17 to 7 in fast break points and they were plus five in second chance points as well 16 to 11 so no slouch there either you mentioned that there were eight with eight or more points the only man that did not reach that was the walk on Miles who miles raznik who came on and played just one minute did score though got his deuce on a couple of free throws so nine played eight with eight or more points more from coach Forbes.
1: Well, it means everything you know uh, we've, we've got a good feeling about ourselves we had a sustained effort today wasn't you know play hard one half not the next half uh they feel good about themselves. I told them they should. I want them to enjoy the win. Uh, we don't have boot camp on Monday. They were really excited about that. Um, and so proud of them, man, proud of them. And, and it's basketball is a long season. you got to have a short memory. And you got to learn from your mistakes and continue to, to play. And, and they did that this week. And now we got to go on the road for two more. And they have a week off where we finish it up right here at home you know, against West Carolina.
2: That was just generally
1: about the
2: two wins, how big it was to get those over Citadel and Mercer. Now ETSU, their players at least can take the early morning off, which I'm sure they're very thrilled about, as Coach Forbes said, because after the results against Furman and Wofford, they were doing two-a-days up at 6 a.m. back at 3.30. So not having to do that after putting up 91 against Citadel, 88 against Mercer. And one thing we won't hear from Coach Forbes, he really thought, and after the Furman game, uh, and even after the Citadel game, he said, we have really regressed defensively. And that's been the big issue for the Bucks when things have gone awry this year. But he did say those first 30-35 minutes against Mercer on Saturday that he thought the Bucks took big steps forward, a dominant and dynamic defensive performance again, which is what we'll hear from Coach Forbes in a second, is really going to separate this team as they go towards the postseason.
0: Well, oh, I, I think the amount of points and open looks. Uh, you know, it's hard to quantify that sometimes, point totals, because guys do hit tough shots. They do some sure, some things, and it happens. But to me, the alarming thing was the amount of open looks they were giving up, whether it's miscommunication and, and how uh, they were defending something, miscommunication on who was going to get what or, or just not having the right assignment or getting lost. There was a couple times we saw – Citadel where guys were getting lost in screens and and not being able to do it so I think that was uh, what it was and it certainly get pressure and Ross Cummings who I know came out of the the gates a little hot there in the second half but they held him scoreless at halftime and I thought that kind of set the tone and really kind of took Mercer out of what they wanted to do in the whole first half.
2: Final comment from Coach Forbes and ETSU fans will love to hear this comparison. I
1: told our team afterwards if you know this really this team is a lot like our team that won the title two years ago offensively. We we got kind of the same numbers. We share it. We're hard to guard. But when we're but we're not always locked in defensively. And that team was really locked in. If we can get locked in defensively like we were today and make free throws like that team did went nineteen for nineteen in the championship game then we got a chance to win it.
2: So obviously I'd love to hear if you're an ETSU fan that the Bucks are in that kind of form at least on one side of the ball. They went twenty seven for 35 from the free throw line. We'll talk about that more in bold predictions. But defensively and at the line on Saturday, that is certainly what uh, Steve Forbes wanted to see, that kind of effort, that kind of performance, and those kinds of results. Now, just to touch on the overall picture of the Southern Conference, Wofford, once again, I thought startling uh, to see them decimate UNCG the way that they did again because the first game was 72-43 to between those sides. You're like, okay, well, Spartans just probably had an off day doesn't look like it's the case, because 80-50 was the final in that mat, uh, that huge matchup on Saturday night. Wofford uh, beating the Spartans and taking the one seed for sure. They also have clinched a share, and their magic number for uh, getting a solo conference title is just one at this point, but clinched a share of the Southern Conference regular season title. They're 15-0. and UNCG now just a half game ahead of Furman and ETSU. So some of those scenarios we were talking about last week, Jay, of tournament seeding where you want to be, are suddenly uh, right in play. You know, We talked about ETSU maybe getting to the two seed being a bit of an outside shot. It doesn't look like an outside shot at all anymore. It looks like a very big possibility if the Bucks can do- go and take care of business at VMI on Thursday. Then they've got UNCG on Sunday, and that, regardless of result, should ETSU win, will be for second place, and that would put ETSU in a position if they and Wofford went out to avoid the Terriers until the championship
1: game.
0: Yeah, I saw something where they were uh, big debate going on in uh, Twitter, and I saw that uh, Socon John we've had on the show before it put the standings as if it ended today, uh, which would make sense, and uh, ETSU would lose the tiebreaker firm oh, Furman okay. ads as of today. Yeah, sure, um, and so I think ETSU, unless again, I haven't checked the numbers of the RPI and stuff because UNCG took a couple losses, the RPI could come into play mm. um, if. Wofford beats Furman and remains undefeated. If Furman is to beat Wofford, they would win every tiebreaker with ETSU and UNCG but virtue of being Wofford. Gotcha. I think it's pretty simple. But if they were able to get in a three-way tie uh, with UNCG, Furman, ETSU, and they pretty much all beat the same teams, um, then you're looking at the RPI. The, the one issue is that um, that would mean Furman would win out. Well, actually, see, I don't think there's a way to tie a three-way tie. For it to work out, because if Furman lost to Wofford, they have five losses. Right. And then, you know, UNCG would have to lose two, which would be to ETSU and then. but then who would ETSU lose to to get a three way tie? So Correct. a lot of it would still be worked out, but if there is. But there's
2: that possibility, and there, a very open possibility. At point. Uh, there
0: is. If there is a three way tie, and Furman were to beat Wofford, then Furman's going to win all those tiebreakers with UNCG and ETSU. If somehow there's another. Uh, scenario where they finish in a three-way tie um, and they all kind of beat up on each other, I think ETSU would win uh, a tiebreaker against Furman because they would beat Sanford. Uh, and Furman did not. And so, would, so there's a lot of things that have to be factored into that. But as of right now, uh, ETSU, again, there's still lots of games to go. ETSU is the four seed and would play to Wofford, but that could very easily change coming this Saturday and Sunday because ETSU plays UNCG, so yep. there's a, there's that. And uh, on Saturday, Wofford and Furman. So those four teams are all going to tie up again, uh, tangle one more time.
2: Makes me feel pretty optimistic. I saw a tweet yesterday uh, late in the night, and it probably was from earlier in the day, but it said, list of conferences with four teams that have 21-plus wins, and it was the SoCon. Hashtag 2BitSoCon is what that tweet went with. So obviously with Wofford winning, I think that is, and you and me talked about it again last week, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday's show, that's kind of a best-case scenario the Southern Conference getting an at-large bid, and that's to assume that Wofford would go on losing the championship game to whoever they do face. Uh, but if Wofford would have lost, uh, they're kind of the pole position in terms of getting an at-large should they not be able to take the championship themselves in the postseason, and kind of leaves UNCG, Furman, and ETSU to battle it out for that 2 city
0: Yeah, and I, I think that's what it's going to end up being. I think um, as good as Furman has been at home, and they will get Wofford at home. Uh, and the, the only loss for Furman at home was the uh, kind of odd uh, blow in the game late against Sanford. Uh, but they will get Wofford at home. That's probably the best shot for them to beat Wofford. If, but I, I still think Wofford just just enough to, to get by Furman, and then pretty much ETSU and UNCG are, are battling each other for a two-seed. And even so, they could still be in a 2-3 game. And the only thing that really matters is what time do you play the day before, and what color uniform you wearing the next day? I mean, once you get into Asheville, the two, three, one, four. I mean, it's really not a lot. I mean, to to me, it's all all about maybe who you get matchup in that first round. Everybody has bad matchups, and, I, and I'm still saying, I believe Mercer's still going to be a tough out for UNCG to to end the regular season in making. I still think that'll be a tougher battle for UNCG. That's a team that really gives them fits, sort of like Citadel does ETSU. Mercer's that team that gives UNCG fits.
2: And it's worth pointing out that right now there is a separation between the top six and the bottom four, and seven plays ten, eight plays nine, obviously, to get into that final eight. So you're looking at Mercer, Western Carolina, Citadel, and VMI. And for ETSU, aside from maybe Citadel, I don't think that there's a team that really strikes fear into the buck. So if they are able to get to that two seed, they would avoid a 3-6. They'd have the the 1 and the 2 get the uh, winners of the 7-10 and the 8-9. So that would be fortuitous as well for ETSU, uh, assuming they can avoid Citadel, which right now, Western Carolina would play Citadel. And of course, there's kind of some uneven numbers with games and everything, but that would be for the right to play Wofford and then uh, ETSU, if they were to get to the two seed, would have the winner of Mercer VMI. I digress. We're jumping really far ahead. Just, I think, worth taking a look at the standings and how they unfolded because there were some really significant changes.
0: Yeah, and, and if Mercer's going to get out of that, they get Sanford and Chattanooga at home this week. They're they're two games back of those mm-hmm. guys. So if they're going to get out of that 7 10, that's the only shot. If they're to lose one of those, I think you pretty much, like you said, a booked right. at least who's in the one through six and then who's got to play that first day of the Southern Conference Tournament. Let's look at our men's recap. When we come back, ETSU ladies were on the road. They took on the Furman Paladins. We'll recap that for you after this timeout. After this word from Sanderson, Design, sidekick on the Buccaneers. Sports Network.
2: It's funny how things can multiply, like cold weather. One minute, a few snowflakes fall.
0: The next, you need a snowblower just to find your feet or tardiness. What to work on. Run two minutes late in the morning, and you're a half hour late to work. Uh, come on but good things come from multiplying too like the new multiplier instant games which give you a chance to multiply your winnings so go ahead enjoy the good kind of multiplying today with the new multiplier instant games only from the Tennessee Lottery game changing fun please play responsibly
2: wow am I happy about my new wow rate e-checking account at Citizens Bank I got a huge rate on my deposit and great account features with that sort of a deal, I'm saving for much-needed bucks tickets to cheer on my team. Learn more about Wow Rate eChecking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. WowRate Rate eChecking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. Go Bucks! Make your own way. Citizens Bank member FDIC.
1: Looking to promote your business but don't know the best avenue? Stand out from the crowd and go big with billboards. We're Allison Outdoor, and we're the new guys in town. Whether it's digital or traditional billboards, our locations span the Tri-Cities. If you're looking for high exposure for a day, a year, or anything in between, we have rates and packages for you. Call Nick Stickley for pricing at 423-360-4809 or allisonoutdoor.com. And go bucks. Food City is excited for another thrilling basketball season with the ETSU Buccaneers. Even when slicing up the finest cuts of beef, selecting the freshest produce, or preparing the sweetest baked goods, we live and breathe navy and gold. So go get them, Bucks. On your quest for a Southern Conference championship and beyond, Food City is with you every step of the way. Food City, official supermarket of ETSU athletics. Today and every day, the Johnson City way.
0: Sanderson aside, kick back with you. Jay Sanders, Mike Gallagher, happy Monday to you. Recaping ETSU women's basketball. Talked about the men last segment. Tough, oh boy, I mean, if you could just, tough weekend. I mean, just all together, just, I don't know what's what's more heartbreaking. The, uh, what the men had last week where you just had a, a home game against number one seed, you had an opportunity that kind of slipped through and then you just struggled to show up on the Saturday. Or road games where you have an opportunity to win win both uh, in an extra frame and uh, just having two tough losses. The Wofford loss on Thursday was pretty tough. I didn't think that could be topped. And Saturday, Furman are able, again, to kind of claw back in and after falling down, I think, nine or ten in the fourth quarter, able to come back and tie it up and get it to overtime one more time.
2: I honestly think that it's what has happened to the women. And here's my reasoning. Obviously – When you're in a tight game with Furman on the men's side last weekend, on the road, you know, five-point game uh, with, what, like 15 minutes to go, and it's a battle at the top of the standings, and it's a team you're trying to sweep and really um, would help your computer numbers, you know, because of the wins that Furman does have, and then they go on the ridiculous shooting run, end up shooting 64%, and hit 12 of their first 16 threes, and so on and so forth. We all know the narrative behind that. So that was difficult, obviously, but the writing was kind of on the wall before the game was over. Uh, You knew that that shooting performance for Furman was kind of a once in a blue moon. Uh, I don't know how often blue moons come around, but for the ETSU men's basketball program, I mean, what, maybe four or five times every 15 years, so once every couple of years that that may happen to the Bucs when an opponent just catches fire and puts on that kind of display. For the ETSU women... um, it's so difficult to really put in perspective how this year has been on the road. You know, I mean, it's, it's been one thing after another, and it's been new ways to, to lose games, and they should have a number of wins on the road. I don't think there's any doubt. They played good enough uh, in a number of games so far this year to get those victories, uh, and certainly Furman was one of those on, on Saturday, and I watched most of the game. Um, but we were waiting for the ETSU men's game to start and get you on the air for the pregame, and gosh, Brittany Snowden was a beast, you know, 19 points and 14 rebounds. What really hurt late um, was Erica Haynes-Overton fouling out with a couple of minutes to go, so for some of those big possessions at the end of the game where ETSU had a chance to win in regulation, uh, she was not out there. Uh, we had the sound down, because obviously we got to keep track, of, you know, make sure you're still on the air, and and figure out how things are sounding here. But I, I looked at the screen, and I was like, what's Erica haynes Overton not doing out there? You know, And I pulled up the live stats, and I saw that she had fouled out. She ends with 10 points on 11 shots and 6 rebounds. But uh, I think it is the ETSU women because it's the multitude over the entire season, right? Yes, the ETSU men on that one night, that was tough to deal with against Furman. But you think back to some of the road losses from earlier this year, UNC Asheville, where you had two chances, within the final 20 seconds, and, and were kind of given by UNC Asheville um, that second chance where I believe if memory serves, uh, their inbounder stepped on the line, or, or there was something weird where ETSU turned it over on Nareka Haynes over to an offensive foul, the Bucks get the ball back, and it was neither an offensive foul or, or just a violation, uh, and they had a chance with Sedasia Tips driving the lane and going inside to get the win, weren't able to do that, and you think back to even the Chattanooga game where that was close a lot of the way on the road and uh, the Sanford Mercer games weren't as tight but uh, certainly the Wofford game we talked about we had in the Buccaneer Sports Network Erica Haynes Overton you know comes up just short on a three to send that to overtime Um, and even some of the other games that we haven't discussed South Alabama earlier in the season Duquesne that was an eight-point loss so to lose by five combined points at Wofford and at Furman where you have the chance to break that long winless streak on the road and have Brittany Snowden in overtime on a left-handed layup. I mean, sit there and tease going in the basket. I mean, hang on the rim and then just fall off. That would have made it 57-57 and sent us to a second overtime. Ugh, it hurts.
0: And and, and you, you win those two games, and all of a sudden you're 7-3 and three and you're in second place because Woff, or Furman would have had a lawsuit. About. Right. Seven and four, so you would be. And you're looking
2: at in Wnit bit if Mercer yeah. wins the tournament. We've gone yeah. over that scenario as well. Oh, uh, you
0: know, and and the the crazy thing is, everybody's got still a little bit of an opportunity because Furman and Wofford still play each other, and Mercer, and then ETSU has four games left, so they've got an opportunity. Um, you know where they've been great at home if they can hold serve, and that does not mean beating Thursday Mercer. But if they can beat Mercer, Sanford, and then Western Carolina, basically has just been a win for everybody. So if you can get a Road to win there, and then UNCG's not been particularly great either. You get the bottom two teams, you know, you could rattle off four in a row, and then you're sitting there going, man, could have had six in a row, right? Or more than eight in a row, right? Because they had a two-game win streak before that. So, I mean, to me, they're still right there. They got an opportunity now. It's going to They got to turn it around pretty quick Thursday with Mercer. And I, I don't think Saturday, I'm trying to get bulletin board material, but I'd say ETSU women's basketball is that Sanford game pretty circled for Saturday after – uh, what Sanford did to them first time around, but they'll start with Thursday. If they can do what they do in Brooks Gym and pick up a win, I, th- I still think they could still end strong with three, four straight wins.
2: And We'll preview that on Thursday. I think both those games are very winnable, and you may scratch your head when you hear that about Mercer because they have been so good this year, but uh, they've played a lot of tight games, and they should, as ETSU, should have a few more wins. I think that Mercer should have a couple losses on the slate. They're 10-0 and in the league, and 18-7 and 7 overall, I'd still say far and away the best team in this conference, but some of their road results that we'll talk about on Thursday have not been convincing. ETSU is a completely different team when it comes to being at home versus on the road, so by no means is that one where you look at the calendar and you say, oh boy, this might be a long night. I think it's going to be the opposite. I think we're in for a heck of a basketball game, but again, more on that Thursday. I talked about on this show on Friday while we were previewing the women's basketball game against Furman, uh, leger Davidson, who had a terrible game against ETSU the first time around, and what really was one of the things that cost firm in that day when the Bucs won by 5, 75-70 in Brooks, Gym, that she wasn't going to have another day like she did, and that ETSU would need to make sure to plan for that and be ready for her to have a more leger Davidson-type outing. But I was wrong, and there's no surprise there. I'm wrong often. But 5 of 24 for Leger Davidson, 2 of 12 from outside – And it was almost a carbon copy of that first game where she gets to double figures but takes a boatload of shots to get there. Doesn't have an efficient game, not a game that she's known for. Uh, Gets 14 points. We also thought, and and we'll go over this in bold predictions, Lexis Spears versus Selena Taborn down low, number one and two in field goal percentage in the conference. That was going to be a huge matchup. Those two only combine. For what 9 points i believe it was 5 to 4 make it uh, 8 points 5 to 3 in favor of Alexis Spears Selena Taborn didn't take a shot from the field until late in the fourth quarter uh, it was stunning to see because she's hitting you know 68% of her field goals which is best in the league by a wide margin uh, ETSU did a great job on her defensively uh, limiting those touches, uh, she did have six rebounds but you know Alexis Spears uh, five points and a couple of rebounds herself while Brittany Snowden we talked about, she was the one that defensively in the first game really struggled to get back on defense and keep up with Tabor and limit her in transition and then just flat out outsized down low. but she was the one that was in there the majority of the time against Selena Tabor and played 31 minutes and put up massive numbers a couple of career highs with her 19 points and 14 rebounds so ETSU won the battle against Tabor they won the battle in limiting Leger Davidson and putting her on another off game but then you get 20 points and two rebounds from Taylor Petty someone that is not in their top two and there's no question about it and that's really the offensive uh, threat for Furman that that really made the Bucs pay and lose by two.
0: Yeah, I kind of felt bad because Brittany Snowden, you know, 19-14, uh, just unbelievable game she was able to put up. The free throw um, Bucks beating there in 19 makes on 23 attempts for Furman, just 8 of 12, and neither team shot it from three real well. Yeah. Furman 4 of 21, ETSU 3 of 17, and So, uh, again, come from behind efforts because I think it was a 20-point deficit, right, Wofford? Yeah. uh, Nine or ten points there in the fourth quarter against Furman, able to come back, just not enough uh, steam to finish it. So we'll see. Now they're progressing because early in the season, Mike, the road scores, if you look at it, weren't even in the ballpark uh, of being competitive. Now all of a sudden you're starting to see them maybe put some stuff together. I still think it's because they've got more and more of that lineup back in there and they're starting to be able to put it together.
2: Early on, the difficulties on the road were you would be right there against a Cincinnati or a Michigan State or even a Tennessee, you know, in the second half. Um, Not so much the Vancouver Showcase. Struggled a bit with South Carolina, Western Kentucky, Rutgers. Three teams that are uh, certainly with South Carolina. Rutgers established Power 5 programs. And Western Kentucky, who's just having a great year. Uh, Lately, in conference play, uh, it's been, aside from Save the Sanford and the Mercer game, You know Chattanooga, they hit their free throws late, but a lot of what ETSU has managed to do is have really, really strong third and fourth quarters, and you can credit some of their depth to that, and also the fact that Erica Haynes Overton has had massive second halves. But they have made up ground to come back and win at home against Wofford. Uh, Then at Wofford, you talked about a twenty-point deficit and Lexus Spears uh, having a lot of points down low in the post uh, as we went towards the buzzer and, and. ETSU putting some things together where they got within three and then missed that three at the buzzer. Uh, Furman, of course, uh, a similar type result in, in a similar type of way, but the narrative has flipped a little bit. ETSU is not showing any quit. They're showing tons of fights, and you have to love that if you're Brittany and and company because that shows you that this team, regardless of how the first 15 road games have gone this year, road slash neutral site games, regardless of how those have gone, they're still right there. She has not lost the team. There's, there's no question about that. They are right there with her, and they're still fighting tooth and nail to try and break that long string of, uh, well, what unfortunately is at the end of the day futility uh, on the road. But at home, 7-4, and four. and so that's the bright side of this, is that Mercer and Sanford you know, coming up. ETSU is undefeated in conference play at Brooks Gym. They're going to need big crowds. Obviously, the fans have not let them down the entire year. I don't think they will Thursday or Saturday either, and uh, specifically Thursday, that game's going to garner a ton of attention as ETSU tries to deal Mercer their first conference loss.
0: Yeah, and uh, I'll be curious to see, because that's been a huge home court advantage for ETSU. They've certainly, in league play, Uh, picked up their play even more uh, inside that building. And I think the fans will turn out uh, to Brooks Gym for that contest. No offense to VMI and the tissue men's team, but I think most people chalk that up uh, whether you should or shouldn't. Most people, even though VMI came in here and put it to overtime, and that's maybe the classic uh, looking to Sunday before you get through Thursday. But it wouldn't shock me if A lot of folks don't make the trip to Lexington, Virginia, and go ahead and go to Brooks Gym and watch ETSU and Mercer. What should be an outstanding women's basketball game. And uh, we'll talk about it Thursday in depth, but I really feel like that's going to be an opportunity for the team to turn a corner because if you can get that win, then Sanford, again, you get a couple road wins, very winnable road games, UNCG and Western Carolina, four straight, six of your last eight going into the conference tournament. I think you feel real good about your chances and what I think – even though Mercer, and even on the men's side, even though Wofford, both are undefeated, both are playing pretty well, I still think that the conference tournament is still a little bit wide open on who could win it on both sides of the ball.
2: Heck, it would be seven of the last nine because ETSU had those three games in a row at home, UNCG Western Carolina, oh, yeah, Chattanooga, right. uh, that they won on the 31st, 2nd, and ninth. I wonder what a win over Mercer could do psychologically for ETSU. Oh, exactly, yeah. you, you know, you talk about the mental side of things, and, of course, Having the long losing streak on the road, that's going to wear on you, regardless of who you are. That's just human nature, and it's going to start to get in your head. Clearly, ETSU still has plenty of belief that they can win on the road with the efforts that they put up. But all of a sudden, you beat Mercer, and you look at the conference standings and see a team at the top that you beat once and certainly played with for three quarters on the road or ahead at halftime down in Macon and you go in as whatever you will, the 3 or 4 seed, let's say, perhaps even the 2, but let's say the 3 or 4, just where things are at right now, and you look at the top and you see that team, and then a bunch of other teams that I think are certainly beatable, right? I mean, you had the win over Chattanooga at home, you had the win over Furman at home. You have beaten the top 3 teams in the league if you're able to take care of Mercer on Thursday, and so that can really create a sense of belief, and, and that certainly can, unlike perhaps years in the past where Mercer, definitely recent years of the past, where Mercer has been that kind of untouchable force in the Southern Conference on the women's basketball side, that's not going to be the case this year. You go in with some belief to a place that's just an hour away from where you are. You're going to have some fans there. It's going to be a good environment, and your season's going to be on the line when you have what has been different from the rest of the year, right, a belief that you can win away from home, and when those results start to come as – in this scenario that we're talking about, they would with Western Carolina and UNCG on the road, all the momentum in the world going into Asheville.
0: Yeah, and uh, to me, it's just wide open. But if you can get seven and nine, you know, when seven or last nine get there, and then your two losses or a couple of last second... By five points. By yeah. yeah. <laughs> Chance to tie in a chance to tie or win uh, in both those. So you're talking about five points. And then you know if they were to do that sitting there at nine and five they're probably a two or three seed which means they may not see Mercer again until uh, that championship game. But I feel like both sides are still wide open and I'd like to see head coach Brittany Zell and them turn that, that corner at home against Mercer and kind of get that thing rocking and rolling as they get to Asheville. We'll step aside for a timeout. When we come back some segment Mike likes it. I hate.
2: It is fantastic.
0: Pros versus huh. Janss. Right after this word from Sanderson's Sidekick, this is the Buccaneers Sports Network. Ballad Health is an integrated health care system built to meet the local needs in northeast Tennessee and southwest Virginia. Together with community, we are transforming our region. We're making communities healthier. We're expanding access to critical services in rural areas. And we're investing in health research and medical education. It's your story we're listening. Ballot Health is proud to be the official health care provider of ETSU Athletics. Go Bucks!
2: 1216 State of Franklin Road in Johnson City. Wendy's has three new hamburgers on the new made-to-crave menu. The barbecue cheeseburger, the sauce and bacon cheeseburger, and the peppercorn mushroom melt. They've got so much swagger, they'll change the way you think about hamburgers and the way you ride through our drive-thru. Maybe you'll lean your seat back a little. Maybe a lot. Maybe you'll roll your windows down. Or maybe your window's broken because you punched through it to get your hamburger faster. Try the three new hamburgers on Wendy's new made-to-crave menu and download the Wendy's app for craveable deals today. At Wendy's, we got you. At participating Wendy's, Mulliken Hardwood Flooring is a beautiful addition to any room. Enjoy the luxury of hardwood flooring in your home with Mullican's pre-finished, sold, or engineered, ready-to-install selection of beautiful hardwood flooring and a wide variety of domestic and exotic species. Please visit the following Johnson's County locations to learn more. Dockery's Floor Covering, House of Paneling, Carpet and Door Mart, and K&M Flooring. Kingsport locations include Dalton Direct Carpets, Custom
1: Floors by Carlin, L. Providence Flooring and Paint. Visit the Smile Floor Service in Bristol. Trust the clear leader in quality hardwood flooring, Mullican Flooring. General Shale is proud to support ETSU basketball and Southern Conference fans everywhere. Want to make the most of game day? Now you can design your dream home during pregame or halftime. The new My Designs app by General Shale lets you design custom projects right from your phone or tablet. Choose from up to 10 building types. Design with over 50
2: of our most popular brick and stone colors. You can even share your designs with your friends. Download the
1: My Designs app by General Shale on the App Store or visit MyDesignsApp.com to design your dream project today. Over the last 70 years, Johnson City Power Board has had a few different looks. But we've remained the same
0: trusted partner you rely on. Now, we've changed our name to Bright Ridge to match our vision. To deliver on our promise of great service you can count on.
1: Embracing common sense technology to strengthen the communities we serve. We're glad to be your public power provider. Bright Ridge. New name. Renewed promise. Learn more at BrightRidge.com. Froze. Buckle up for Kobe, Kobe Bryant! Kobe Bryant just sucked the turbity out of the target center! What a play! Five seconds left in the game! Do you believe in miracles? Yes! in your life have you seen anything like that? The deep left center from Mitchell, and we'll see you...
0: Happen. Edmonton, 42 home runs during the regular season. And we are going to Game 7 in the National League Championship Series.
2: The band is out on the field. He's going to go into the in end zone. He's going to go the field. The Bears have won. The Bears have won.
0: Versus Jays. I need a shower. <laughs> yeah. All right, there's a segment every week that Mike enjoys.
2: People may remember this clip that we're using for you this week from your Michigan men's basketball demo from a couple of weeks back that you can find on the Buccaneer Sports Network SoundCloud. And if you go back to the specific episode on the Sandos side cli- side mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and the Side Click, I about told you. Sandos and yeah, the Side Click. Yeah. Ain't kit. that easy, is it? SoundCloud page. Yeah, because you want to say SoundCloud <laughs> with, the, with the L. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Uh, so you may remember this clip from that we're bringing it back because of what was some incredible audio and video that was dug up by someone on twitter over the weekend of Vince scully a man that you can hear in the open to pros verse jays with in a year that's been so improbable the impossible has happened uh jays wasn't quite the artistry that Vince scully's was here's The call of flammable by Jay Sandos. Highly
0: uh, unlikely, but those are flammable.
2: I'm not sure what you were talking about. We'll get to that in a second. Here's Vin Scully calling a man on fire in the stands.
0: This back to Dorset. The first man to come up and slow him down was Nate Wright. He tried to jitterbug around Nate, and that took up too much time. Meanwhile, a difference of opinion down below. A problem of some kind down below. And there it is. A blanket, evidently, and inadvertently catching on fire. The person. And at first they told us a blanket. My goodness,
1: it's a man. Anything can happen in Texas. Woo! The gentleman who, one way or another, was on fire, as you saw, <laughs> the world could something like that happen. To you. Second and seven from the thirteen. So how about that? That's what didn't I even love miss the most. That's what I love most.
0: Second seven.
2: That is what I love the most about the entire thing. Now, of course, it's better with the video. And if you search "Vin Scully man on fire" on Twitter, I'm sure you can find it. But. There is literally a man, kind of, you know how you see in uh, stunt devil uh, type movies where a guy will just kind of be flailing about on fire, and it's just a generic looking man on fire. This person was fully engulfed in flames. I'm not talking like, oh, he had an arm or or like his bit of clothing was on fire. We're talking head to toe. He was walking around the stands of the NFC, that was the NFC Championship game 1977 or something like that, and he was... Fully submerged in the fire. It was absolutely incredible. And Vince Scully, while he's witnessing a man burn. Now, he ended up being fine. The man did. He was carried out in a stretcher. Uh, ended up being on. That's right. easy for you
0: to say. That well, he, yeah. I mean,
2: he was alive, I guess is what we should say. Uh, probably had some, uh, you know, uh, injuries sustained due to that fire. But just goes right back in with second and seven. Like, the guy's on fire in the stands, second and seven. Boom. It was absolutely fantastic to me. Now, what were you talking about when you said highly unlikely that those are flammable? Now, that was, I think, four or five years ago at a baseball game, if that gives you any frame of reference at all.
0: It <laughs> said give me any frame of reference. Now uh, that you can remember everything you can, said. Can I, I hear heard. the clip again? Yeah, Do you have it? Really? Highly uh, unlikely that those are flammable. <laughs> it's, it's just, I'm sure it was a promotional giveaway, okay. is, is my guess. Okay. Is it, it was a promotional giveaway of some kind. And uh, that's all I got <laughs> that, that does not ring a bell So I
2: love that those two went together One clip that we already used a couple of weeks back And then this incredible scene unfolds At the NFC Championship game Where someone is on fire And Vince Scully is trying uh. to simultaneously Describe the man on fire And also call the action Of, of what is obviously a massive game One of the couple biggest uh, During the NFL season every year Now this sparked a Unrelated controversy Sparked. Sorry, terrible joke didn't mean to, but makes sense now. Uh, on Saturday night during the Duke North Carolina State game, there was a broadcasting Mount Rushmore put forth by ESPN. Uh, they chose to do it at this time. It seemed kind of out of place at the time, but I believe they did so because it was announced that John Madden would be receiving the second ever Sports Emmy for Lifetime Achievement. The first, Dick Enberg, who I believe has passed away, he correct. Was. Um, two giants of the broadcasting game Now, uh, knowing Dick Enberg has passed away I, I don't want to rip him too bad here Because he was on the Mount Rushmore And he was kind of the one name Along with John Madden Who I kind of scratched my head about The Mount Rushmore also include five Which I'm not sure
0: Sure, have yeah, seen Mount Rushmore. Four, I haven't yet. been to Mount Rushmore in a while I, 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 hear there's four. Okay. I hear there's four I
2: thought there were four too Dick Vitale Howard Cosell Keith Jackson Dick Enberg and John Madden. Now, there are a, a couple people on Twitter that hopped in and said, how in the world do you not include Vince Scully? That was the main complaint of those giving feedback to ESPN on social media that I saw. Again, Dick Vitale, Howard Cosell, Keith Jackson, Dick Enberg, John Madden left off and controversially so. Vince Scully. What is your broad- broadcasting about Rushmore?
0: Oh, that's a good one. Um... Tell you what, the, first of all, I would have Scully on there. Okay. Uh, th- 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 this is always a fun game because it's like it's easy to put people on there. It's, it's who you take off. Uh, Emberg was around, golly, the thing about Emberg was he was so versatile on the different sports that he called. Um, he did golf. I didn't know that. He did I, golf. he did golf. Yeah. He did uh, tennis. Uh, called some U.S. Opens and Wimbledons and things like that. Sure. So, did golf, did tennis, did all the major sports yep. uh, was the lead voice for a long time for major sports. Mm. So it's usually got to be in there as well. Uh, sometimes I think there should be a category for team, like should there be a rush for guys that did teams right. and then guys that did national stuff. Right. You know, and sometimes they do um, carry over a little bit, like Joe Buck would carry over. Because he did the Cardinals forever, but did other sports. Vince Scully done the
2: Nets forever, and he's yeah, it's another good guy. one. Yeah. So
0: there's a lot of guys that I think can can do one, and then and then kind of do some others. But I I think Scully would definitely be in there for me. And, and I grew up with the three thirty ABC football game, which was huge college mm. football. So, so Keith Jackson's right in my wheelhouse. Uh, from there, anytime you got a good uh, old Nelly from him, you know you're feeling pretty good about that. The the two that throw me off. Uh, are really Emberg, Um and I would put Howard for sure oh goodness Howard Cassell for sure I, Vital and Madden throw me off mm. because generally color guys aren't looped into that right? and I think they did tremendous things for their sports because they were such raw I mean Madden changed to where he's a he's known for other things you know I mean he was doing not just games but he did commercials and he's got video games and he, he's got a bunch of other stuff and then Vital for a while was college basketball. Sure. I mean, I mean he, he kind of carried it. So it, I would not have a color guy on there. Uh, no offense to Vital and and John Madden, but I don't know in my rush more that I would have a color guy on it. that's probably because I'm partial to the play-by-play guys.
2: So you would take out the two color guys and insert the one Vin Scully because we do have to eliminate one because there's four on Mount Royal. Right, right. Five. That's right.
0: exactly what I was going to do. Emberg still, if I was to take another guy out, Emberg would be maybe the next um,
2: Where is Al Michaels here?
0: See, the, there's the in in the generation now. is kind of wrapping up. Um, Michaels and Nance both are very. And what about I think, Costas uh, Co- Costas is another one, uh, but I think NBC just kind of ruined him with the lack of use of what well, you know. They limited him. He was on for a do, while, yeah. You know, but he does that. Uh, all those all those three are the 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 three national guys that were on forever. But Nance to me. Does a lot more of everything, uh, and I know I think Costas could.
2: Tarico may get there at some point for you, or no?
0: I think he, he also does a ton. I, I yeah, but again, I think he's now in that NBC where yeah. he's, he's falling off the wayside. Where you're, it's like we're going to give you uh, four football games here, a soccer game here, and
2: do the pre games for the golf channel. <laughs> yeah, I
0: mean, I think I think that, that's that's going to hurt. That's going to hurt him. I think that hurts Costas. So I think you know, as far as that goes, I you know. I would have two because I think if you had a team, team one, I think obviously Ben Sculling, what he did for there. Sure. I think Harry Carey, what he did nationally mm. for, for the Cubs, would, would not really for his technical broadcasting skills. But, again, I think technically right. speaking, Dick Vitale's not on there because right. he's technically a great color guy. Yeah. I think he's a great showman and did wonders uh, for the sport. So I think there's a, a lot of different guys you could you could put on there. But Michael, out of the, the newer ones, Michael, Nance, Costas – Although I think I'll still give a slight edge to Nance, um, because I think a he worked more weeks than anybody I've ever sure. heard of, yeah. And he could he could go NFL to, to college basketball to the Masters like nobody's business. I mean, he just kind of is and that does. versatile and does well and still does at that. You know, in his late sixties now.
2: Is he really that old?
0: Yeah, I think he's in his sixties. He
2: still looks pretty, pretty viable. Yeah. Um, yesterday was the what was the name of the tournament? The Genesis Open. At the Pacific Palisades and Tiger was in contention so I watched for a little bit and one of my buddies who is a big golf guy I had turned it off by this point because Tiger was I think just out of steam in his older age it doesn't seem like he's got quite the longevity and it was a tough weekend for them out there because the guys were up at like 4 in the morning there's the weather and they had to play a certain amount of holes each day etc cetera, etc cetera. but I guess Nance signed off with we'll see you at Augusta. And my buddy was like, I just got literal goosebumps. Like No one does golf like Nance. I mean, it is incredible how his style, his delivery fit the game. And he is very bought into the, and he's a bit of a strange guy from what I understand here in some of the stories uh, with the uh, very mystique type qualities of all of the different sports. He'll give Got college basketball player a tie when they win the, you know, national championship, which I always thought has been weird. But in his open yesterday, he was talking about how golfers want to play all the the best tournaments and the best courses and when the courses are set up the most difficult for them. And of course he's with Nick Faldo, who has been living on another planet for like twenty years, and Faldo's like, Yes, yes, we, we always wanted to play the most difficult tournaments and so Nance just does so well in capturing what professional golf in professional golfers' minds is. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Like, he seems like he is inside the brains of the guys that believe that professional golf is on another level, uh, over and above all the most classy professional sport of them all. And he is so bought into that where he can literally take you to that place and have you believing the same thing. So I would be with you that he is incredibly versatile, works very hard. Um, I, I think what's tough for me with Mike, he's been doing it so long as Al Michaels, where I missed a lot of his very best work, because um, he did World Series and, and all that kind of stuff back in the day, which I missed all that, and uh, very interested to see uh, the Mount Rushmore of team guys, simply because I don't think there's a lot of people out there that would have the base knowledge to come up with a four. I think uh, Harry Carey and Vince Scully is a great uh, jumping off point. I'm not sure uh, who the other two may be. If you look across all sports, there's certainly... Right, and to and, to and do.
0: every single, if you include college too, right? I'm sure it, there would, would be p- so many people that would that would. Uh, I would love to hear that because there's so many people that would give you an opinion over which guys they teams they pull for rugby oh, college yes. or pro. And the college and pro guys are always a little different in how they look at. And things a lot of too. it would
2: be based off fandom, right? They'd just be like, "Okay, my team's guy is the best guy." So there would maybe be less um, neutral opinions put forth on that. But um, I thought that. Mount Rushmore was very interesting. Firstly, in the fact that it included five. Secondly, in the fact that it included, like you said, a couple color guys. John Madden, I mean, towards the end, and again, maybe I missed his better days, but towards the end it was just, you're going to have to outscore the other team. You will put up more points than the player across from you. Just like, okay, well, John. I mean, you didn't like the the way he broke down
0: a wham block? (sighs) I mean, you just used
2: to. Chris Collinsworth is a better announcer, a better broadcaster than John Madden,
0: a better color guy, and I don't think there's any question about it. (laughs) I think people are throwing stuff at the car right now. <laughs> hey, they may well might be. Uh, I'm, I'm a man of the modern. They, uh, that's, gonna, gonna, that's what we're going to Listen, uh, you know, if we ever do Bad Take Tuesday, that's got <laughs> it may have to be honest. Chris Collinsworth is uh, By the way, short-change Jim Nancy. This is early 60s. Early 60s. I was going to say, yeah.
2: late 60s. So early oh, yeah. 60s, I was still pretty yeah, pretty advanced.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I don't know if pros were say we'll come back. Bold predictions. So wrap up from this weekend. Ah, we were all so close. Bold prediction. Chris Collinsworth. <laughs> Much oh my better God. than John Madden. All right, set a sidekick back after this on the Buckingham Air Force Network.
1: Let Ferguson's
2: knowledgeable product experts kick off your next kitchen or bath project with the latest in touch and hands free faucets, high performance gas ranges, or low decibel dishwashers.
0: They're really quiet.
2: Request your appointment today at fergusonshowrooms.com. The best decision ever.
0: Visit your local Ferguson showroom at 1000 Quality Circle in Johnson City and choose from an extensive lighting collection of the most sought-after brands. Find the one-of-a-kind fit for your home at Ferguson. The Firehouse Restaurant in downtown Johnson City has been a proud supporter of the Bucks since 1980. Our hickory smoked barbecues, sides, sauces, dressings, and desserts are all made from scratch because that's the way the locals like it. Our tailgate packs are available through Firehouse Catering for 12 or more, starting at just $8 per person. The packs are available all season on Fridays, Saturdays, and Mondays. For more information, visit thefirehouse.com. Come see us before the big game, The Firehouse, 627 West Walnut Street between ETSU and downtown Johnson City. How many places do you ever go without your smartphone? My name is Wesley Fletcher with the First Bank and Trust Company. Now you can pay securely for your purchases with your smartphone, too. Just add your check card to the wallet app on your phone to pay for all your purchases. So keep on moving, keep on traveling, and keep on shopping with the First Bank and Trust Company and Apple Pay, and O, providing mobile solutions when you need them most. Your bank for life. FirstBank.com. Member FDIC.
1: Look, if you're like me, you got a lot to remember. Like, remember to pick up some refreshingly cold lemon-lime Mountain Dew ice. Sounds good, doesn't it? Well, here's my trick. If it's a
2: nice day, I think nice rhymes with ice. And that reminds me, I better get some Mountain Dew ice. Or if someone asks me for the time, I think time rhymes with lime, like in lemon-lime. If I work at it, anything can remind me to get to the store and get myself
1: some Mountain Dew ice. Mountain Dew ice. Remember to get some. Welcome back to Smooth 92.2. I'm Dr. Love, and I want to hear the secret to your romantic success. We've got Brian on the line. Bright guy, what'd you do?
2: Well, I wanted to spice things up, so I surprised my wife with instant games from the Tennessee
1: Lottery. Oh, and did those work, Brian? You know they did, Dr. Love. It doesn't take a relationship expert to know you can't go wrong with February instant games. Only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly.
0: LeBron is a Laker.
1: Four-year, $154 million a max deal. I- I'm ecstatic. I think it was the right situation, the right call for him to make. He wasn't going to get anything accomplished in Cleveland. That was obvious.
0: ESPN has announced the network's new broadcast team for the 49th season of Monday
2: Night Football. Former Dallas Cowboys tight end Jason Witten, who recently announced his retirement after a 15-year pro career, will immediately jump into the analyst role.
0: Lavar Ball's Big baller brand has gotten an F rating from the Better Business Bureau. The Browns dropped the ball all year long. Unfortunately, a team, a coach, an organization, not good enough to earn one win. The only win in the last two years came on Christmas Eve. Now here we are on New Year's Eve, talking about a team that will go down as one of the worst in NFL history.
1: What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. A simple
0: wrong would have done just fine. Uh, boom!
2: It's full predictions. That's John Madden. I mean, he oh. just, yeah, just can't get I, I, over it. It's not analysis. You know, it's just, uh, boom! Uh, okay, John, great. Show me the turducken. That was about your best bit.
0: Anyway, so... I'll, I'll move on. I'm so sorry. you're I Big just, Dick Vitale breaking down the game, too, right?
2: Dick Vitale, they both had energy, all right? And I love energy. And they got passion, and I understand that. That's great. But if you're talking between-the-lines analysis... Maybe I'm just looking for different things because I enjoy, like, someone that's really exceptional at analysis and breaking down. But Tony Romo, I think, is very good. A lot of people don't like Tony Romo. So when you're talking about John Madden and Dick Vitale, are they doing a lot of breaking down of the game?
0: Now, listen, uh, the only thing Dick Vitale says is moving without the basketball. Other than that, (laughs) he's got his catchphrases. Exactly. And he's a a cheerleader. He's literally a cheerleader. So
2: I think there's a difference between guys that bring a lot of energy and – Yes, that adds something to the game, but that is not analysis. That can't be on a broadcasting Mount Rushmore for me. That can be on a let's have fun, this is a great time, uh, sports are awesome Mount Rushmore. But broadcasting, I think, should have at least some level of technicality. Maybe I sound like a curmudgeon. I don't know. A curmudgeon talking about guys that are in their 80s. Imagine that. A guy in their 20s sounding like a curmudgeon talking about guys in their 80s. It's yeah, very backwards. Yeah.
0: You, didn't you yell somebody get off your lawn yesterday? I did. I feel it, like, yeah. I, feel like
2: I don't have a lawn. I'm not. Yeah. I'm a broke. Millennial. Speaking of broke, our bold predictions have been broke for quite some time. Ugh. But we got looked pretty good this weekend. Uh, let's start with you. <laughs> and you had to feel good early on about the ETSU women's basketball six. team getting to 10 steals.
0: Six in the first quarter, Mike. Six
2: in the first quarter, and it went to overtime. Six. And you still couldn't get to 10. Nine steals mm. for ETSU women's basketball. The six early. And ETSU was up six points after that first quarter. That tapered off, as did the Bucs' offense. And unfortunately, their hopes of getting a victory, 57-55 to 55 in overtime. Furman was victorious. Nine steals, one short. Sorry, can't give it to you, Jay. For me, the one that I got wrong when it comes to ETSU, the men's side, Davian Williamson. Boy, I felt good going into the last six or seven minutes. He scored, I believe, all of his points between, like, the five-minute mark of the first half and the six- or seven-minute mark of the second half, but no touches late, could not get to 20 points at 16.
0: It was a good call. I tried. No, it was a good call, and uh, I think Coach, we heard the the bite earlier about how he gave credit. Gave him some uh, opportunity to bring some offense. Yep,
2: Uh, We did get ones right, and I'm not sure that this is how I pictured things going when I made this bold prediction. But Lexis Spears did outscore Selena Taborn. Five points on two or three from the field. One or two from the line. Two rebounds. Fouled out, unfortunately, and had six turnovers. Uh, not her best in terms of taking care of the ball, but very efficient with her touches, albeit the few that there were. Selena Taborn, speaking of lack of touches, ETSU ball denied. Did not let her get the ball in good positions down low. She is 6'3". She can outmuscle anyone down in the post, but the Bucks denied Taborn got only three shots Made only one of them Three points Six rebounds One of two from the line Lexus Spears does outscore Selena Taborn And I am a genius genius. They're a genius So, happy to break my string of what was 11 bold predictions That were incorrect in a row Now, Jay Sandoz was teetering and tottering Late in the contest As ETSU men's basketball was putting away Mercer Mladen Armas went to the free throw line like five or six times Late in the game uh, Miles Raznick was ultimately who sealed it for you. 75% from the free throw line for the ETSU men. They end up at 77.1, 27 of 35 from the line. There was a time after a lot of numbers missed a free throw where it was like 74.2. And selfishly, because I love to see you in pain, I was hoping that ETSU would not go to the foul line the rest of the day. They did. Miles Raznick hit a pair
0: and got you your bold prediction. Yeah, You're a genius. I was going to say a little late I on the am button the there. Smartest so. Man alive. You're Ar- genius. Armus was came in shooting 48%. Oh, and he clutched up for you. And he went 3 of 4. Oh. And then uh they just gotten over 75% and then uh Razzik hit the last two. Who was that? 77. 77 for the day. Yeah, look at that.
2: You're a lucky man because I really did not think that yeah. it was going to happen for you. But
0: now, I don't want to talk about the college basketball. When you bring it. I, 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 I watched back it, to it for right pain. Now. Did you really? Pain. I did. I watched. It. it was on ESPN. Able to watch it, I thought Toledo, right? Wasn't it uh, Toledo and um, Buffalo
2: trying to tie Buffalo in the MAC standings at the top?
0: They they had the ball several. Times in the last couple minutes and a chance mm. to tie it and then uh, couldn't hit any shots late and free throws just extended the lead. It, it, it wasn't a bad one but it definitely was more hurtful because it was just a bucket or two away could have changed everything. Sort of like your game.
2: Yeah, heck they're up three at half and then Buffalo outscores Toledo 52-43 to 43 in the second half 88-82 to 82 in the final so the number 25 ranked Buffalo are the ones that do you in on your bold prediction that was outside of ETSU for me I knew this game was going to go this way I still feel smart In the fact that I saw it coming But I overextended myself a bit There was no reason for me to go to 20 points with this game Tennessee being beaten by 20 or more by Kentucky For some reason I went to 20 instead of 10, 15, I think that would have been enough Double digits or 15 Instead I got greedy, I went to 20 And what was the final, I think it was like 16 was between the two teams Is that right? Yep uh tennessee did not have their best on saturday kentucky was angry coming off a loss they showed that they really put the wood to ut the entire game 86 to 69 so a 17 point win for the wildcats there were times and i was texting you during them that it was a 20 point game in the second half and i said i'm brilliant bold prediction that's you you're gonna lose and the i early. celebrated too early Unfortunately, uh, I did not get that bull prediction. We each go one of three. I am now fifteen of fifty-nine. You are now twelve of fifty-nine. Still trailing
0: by three days. you enough? Well, not really. All right, that'll do it for today's show. We'll talk top twenty-five tomorrow on Sanderson's Sidekick. Out of here. Sports Network. See
1: ya. See ya.